Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Mel King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. It wasn't me mad at Coach Reed as as it looks. It was the frustration of our team not having success, turning the ball over, and me being on the sideline. Just on not the sideline. Damn it. It was pleading with your head coach to let you go out there and win this one. That's what it was. Me and you both know what it was. Andy knows what you mean to him and what he means to you. From the New Heights podcast, Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey on the sideline incident. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Bills releasing some new season ticket price information. There'll be an increase in season ticket prices. The headline at the website, at our website, is um, you know new ticket packaging, new stadium seating information. Brayton Wilson has something up at WBEN and WGR550.com that uh, eight regular season and two preseason games. Package price will increase by an average of 10%. The incre- increase is impacted due to the package increasing from nine games in Orchard Park to 10 games in 2024. All right. So there you go. We're back to 10 games. They're not losing a game to London. That's a part of it. Uh, but there will be a price increase over the last two seasons. The Bills' season ticket base has been over 60000 They expect the number to push to 64000 this upcoming season. One of the other things I find interesting is the 97% renewal rate. This, is, yeah. this yeah. would be the Josh Allen effect. Mm-hmm. Hey, this guy's on your team. People are keeping their tickets. So there's information on our website. You want to check out that full article. Also, finding out along the way some of the timeline for the new stadium stuff in the next month or month plus, mm-hmm. that process will get started. And from what we understand, the process of going through your next tickets in that new one that they're building will be a lengthy process because you've got to get, what, 60,000 people in. Look, here's what it is. What do you want? Rather than the two club options that they have right now, mm-hmm. there will be five club options. Now, maybe you're not in a club, and you're going to go into a club. Or maybe you're in the club seats, and you've got to pick which of the five different options you're going to go for. So, a lengthy process, but um, news on that coming out in the coming weeks, and some more information at our website at wgr 550 Dot com. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Happy Thursday. Joining us on the Western Hotline to chat a little Bills, draft, offseason, all that good stuff, our friend Matt Perino, co-host of the Shout Podcast with Ryan Talbot and uh, of Syracuse.com. Matt, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. How are you enjoying the, uh, I mean, offseason, right? Does it ever really, does it ever really get to an offseason? We're, we're a few days removed from the Super Bowl. So, how are you feeling about the Bills offseason? It's going to be a challenging one, I feel like, is the uh, the general consensus. It is, and I guess like it's going to be a little bit more fun for people that like like doing puzzles. 
because I feel like that's what Brandon Bean is. Uh, he's going to have to be a puzzle uh, finisher this offseason, trying to figure out, like, all these different pieces. Um, you know, 20 free agents. You know, you mentioned earlier in the show about this podcast that I did with John Scott and Joe B and, and Sal. And, you know, we were talking about all the different um, uh, things that are coming up in the offseason. And for me, the biggest, like, sticking point is what do you do with all these guys that are free agents now? There's 20 of them. And I think I can only make an, a real strong argument for maybe three of them that you have to have back. And even then, I'm kind of, you know, uh, I'm reaching a little bit. Do you think, as we as we lay that all out, just all the pieces they've got to fit and how challenging it will be, that any Bills fan should look at this season, or, or we asked this question yesterday, that Brandon Bean should look at this season like it's some sort of uh, down year, retooling year. I mean, l- labels can sometimes be difficult. We just watched the Chiefs talk about their last couple seasons as down years and retools, and of course they won the Super Bowl. So uh, does the Josh Allen, well, his existence, change the way the Bills should be approaching this? Because even if you're going to have a year like that, you know that you should be competitive and you should be a competitor. I don't think you're looking at it like this just because the pieces that are coming back are, are really that are under contract are, are pieces that are such uh, fixtures on what you do on both sides of the ball. And I, and I think like you mentioned Josh Allen and the offense, like this year it was the, the year of the defense that, you know, a lot of defensive plans for these um, high flying offenses you know, we're sound. And I think we're going to, we may not see the complete flip next year. We're, we're going to see an adjustment. I mean, offensive coordinators are going to get six or seven months to figure out new ways to do this. And, and I think Joe Brady, for as good as things got with him in that underneath stuff, the, the short and intermediate area passing game, the patience of their offense, I think there are, you know, ways you can expand on that and all while still trying to find uh, the explosive plays. Uh, and he's going to have the, the whole offseason do that. So I'm not sitting here thinking that even even though the Bills are going to you know lose some some players, that they're going to be all of a sudden you know looking at maybe. I still think that even with all the players that aren't coming back, I still think that I'd, I'd pick them to win the AFC East. And that's before anything happens in the draft or free agency or what I think is the most I, the draft's the most important part. But I think more important than you know March 16th is that second wave of free agency that happens late in May, early June, like that is where Brandon Bean has to be super aggressive um, in terms of selling what the Bills are doing here. And you have that salesman here in Von Miller, whether it's, um, you know, Leonard Floyd or some of the other pieces that he's tried to reach out to. Odell Beckham was close a couple of years ago. Uh, you might have to go out and find a player like that that you can kind of sell on coming here for less money. Uh, that's going to be an interesting part of the offseason, too. Do you, Matt Perino, joining us on the Western Hotline, do you give any percentage chance about a Diggs departure? Um, I, I'm, I'm always wary of, of giving it a, a 0% chance, but let, let me just put it at like a 1%. You know, you're not, you're not in the business, I think, if you're Brandon Bean, of getting rid of talent at that position and so no matter what the situation is I think the last couple of years have proven that the Bills can kind of weather any of the storms that come with and are just an organization better equipped to deal with 
any kind of uncertainty or unrest from players, right? Like, and I think once you get into the season, it's like getting into the season that is sometimes the challenge. Once you get there, I think Diggs is, you know, as bought in as anybody. He was all last season. And I think there was probably a level of frustration towards the end of, the, uh, of last season, and that's what, you know, we've seen over the last couple of weeks. But, again, I still think that some of his comments over the last couple of weeks have been a little bit overanalyzed. But then you see the Super Bowl, and you see this 49ers team with Brock Purdy. And I know he had a great season, but he's Brock Purdy. I mean, yeah. he's a seventh-round draft pick. You know, go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs and lose in overtime. And that Brandon IU press conference after the fact, I mean, that is a much worse situation if I'm a fan of that team than anything that the Bills have had to deal, Bills fans have had to deal with with Stephon Diggs is where a guy is just, like, going into free agency and openly saying, like, yeah, I'll come back if it's the move. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing about – you know, Diggs is. I, I would. I would almost encourage everyone to remember. Remember how loud it was last year in May, June, July, August, and then how quiet it all got for Diggs in September, October, when he was putting up, you know, a thousand yards nearly. He had another hundred catch season. Now we're in the off season, and the conversation gets loud again. You know, it's part of what I wonder about Matt is if if Brandon Bean can just. Mute notifications, you know, just like mute words on Twitter and mute conversations on his phone. Like, I'm not going to worry about it. He'll be here when July comes around, and we'll just throw him the ball a bunch. Right. And I think, like, your approach to the draft doesn't doesn't change dependent on whether or not Diggs is here. That's another point that I I, I want to emphasize. Like, he's going to be here. Like, I, I, I don't think there's going to any, there's anything that's going to happen. But you're going into this draft to find weapons regardless because it's, this, this draft's not only about 2024. It's about 25 and 26, too. Eventually, there's going to have to be a succession plan with Diggs. He's getting older. So you have to prioritize that position because you never have before. And you have to take your lessons that you've learned, like at cornerback, for instance, when you heard the noise every offseason, you've got to draft a cornerback. And then you just – you missed the mark on Kyer Elam, and I'm not closing the door on that either. We talked a bunch about him over the last couple of weeks, but that was a botched um, protocol in terms of how you acquire that player. You know, they let the Kansas City Chiefs come up and get Trent McDuffie, and they had to watch him in the Super Bowl, like star for them again this year. And so you can't let that happen. I think that's going to lead us into this conversation we're going to have this morning. You have to be all of a sudden spending hopefully the last four or five months, but now the next two months zeroing in and, and leaving yourself as little room for error as possible to find the player that you're most confident about. You could take a couple of you know swings later in the draft, I think, but I think you've got to find the guy that you think could come in here and be the successor to Stefan Diggs and finding that any way that you can because it's different when you have Josh Allen. Like you have Josh Allen in his prime – you have to kind of do a little bit extra to get that player, and you're also safeguarding against um, if Diggs does kind of fall off a cliff a little bit with production this come upcoming season and, and skill level, you have a little bit of a buffer. Now, will they do it? That's a whole other yeah. question. Uh, and, and what we should probably get into. Yeah, right. So uh, we had John because, you know, I watched that roundtable with you and Sal and Joe B and John Scott, and you guys are making bold predictions. And I liked how you said yours because you laid it out and you said, here's my bold prediction, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I guess in the end I, I don't hate it because um, if you have to – I hate it for what it means for Bills fans, right? Like 
because you're going into this offseason, like looking at all of these exciting wide receivers, like Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, and you're like, all right, what's it going to take? Harrison's probably a little bit of a pipe dream. It would cost a little bit too much to get up into the top five. But, you know, we've seen in years past where wide receivers have kind of um, hung around a little bit longer sometimes than you might think, depending on what teams need, what teams need to add. A lot of these bad teams have been adding wide receivers over the last couple of years. But it's like, can you get into that zone? And then the, the, the next problem becomes, okay, once those top three go, which I think everybody is in agreement that that's the top tier, then there's like, you know, Brian Thomas is a, is a fun player. Uh, I think that he has a lot of upside. He reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson in the year that he w- was drafted, where maybe he's that, that next iteration. But Jefferson went at 22. And you could get up to 22, as we've seen in the last couple of years, pretty easily. But getting up to 15, 12, that's a little bit more costly. And maybe the Bills aren't on the Thomas train. Maybe they're on the neighbor's train. And they want to get – but he goes at eight. Can you get up to eight? And so I start to think about – what does this look like in terms of aggressiveness versus sacrificing all of this like draft capital that you built up that to, to your earlier point, Jeremy, is so important. You need, you need to, you know, bring in all of these rookie contracts to reset this salary cap for 25 and 26 and 27. And you need to continue to accumulate draft assets so you can do that. And, and I think there are needs on the defensive side of the ball, just in terms of the sheer number of players you're probably not bringing back and some of the players that have been a little bit disappointing. So I think the Bills should try to find that guy. But again, even when you, even if you do all the work and you, and you believe in your heart that that is the guy, there's always that little chance that it doesn't end up being the guy. And even Sammy Watkins, who I think when he was healthy was really good for them, you know, there's, you know, plenty of examples when you take a guy in the first round and it ends up being the guy in the middle of two guys that end up really exploding and being that guy. So it's a dance that Brandon Bean's going to have to, you know, participate in. It's, it's really challenging. And he's got to have some confidence. Like, what would your confidence level be that if they want to go down that road or explore it even, it's got to come with, well, we have these holes on the defensive line and at safety but we can be meticulous about it. We can hold serve, if you will. And I don't know, like, would would Sean McDermott like have this? You know, like, would he go to Bean or and give him the confidence of I can figure this out? Even if we don't invest all of this in safety, if we just bring Cam Lewis and Taylor Rapp back, you know, like we can still manage to have a, a fine defense. Right, and I think like there, there's probably going to be a version of. Hoyer and Hyde from 17, if you think back in this free agent class. Um, I haven't done the deep dive at that position. I've been spending most of my time at edge and wide receiver to start. But if you think about it, nobody was talking about Poyer and Hyde when they brought them here in 17, and they didn't give them crazy big deals at the time. I mean, they were pretty low-end free agent contracts, especially Jordan Poyer. So if they could find another avenue to bring in somebody that they can – kind of plug in at a two- or three-year deal with a really small first season, uh, and and that's somebody that you can kind of place in, and maybe you consider bringing back Jordan Poyer. That's another conversation that I think has to be had uh, because of his age, although I still think that he was a valuable part of things. And if you're going to lose Micah Hyde, you should probably want to try to keep him. The problem is the number. Like, you know, adding $5 million in cap space in a year where it's so – few and far between, I think that you, you really uh, like that option. 
Um, man, the, the, the salary cap gymnastics, those are going to be the fun things to watch over the next couple of weeks as those, kind of, those reports start to trickle out to try to figure out how aggressive are they being. Because there are some you know, levers that they can pull that are, that are super aggressive. I mean, the Dawkins uh, extension, the Taron Johnson extension, that, that can potentially open up almost $10, $11 million. And, you know, the Josh Allen uh, restructure, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, I want to see what they do with A.J. Epinesa. To me, he's like a huge part of your question. Because if he gets to free agency and it's not as uh, bustling of a market as maybe, you know, it could be because of his – you know, I don't want to say middle of the road, but a little bit hot, above average production over the last two years. Like maybe he goes out, he wants nine, ten million, and teams are like, "We've seen this book, we've seen this movie before. We're not signing signing up for that." And he ends up coming back to Buffalo on a two-year, one-year deal at around three million per season. All right, you can handle that. Now all of a sudden, defensive end isn't as much yeah. of a need because you need Rousseau to take a step and. Unless they get out of this Von Miller mess, you, you figure he's going to be back as well. Yeah, Spotrick has Epinesa two years, five point six million. Per okay, year. it's just Spotrick, so it could be whatever. But and, you know, that, like, that's a part of this, man. As you as you laid out the your one of your potential scenarios was they take a defensive end in the first round, and I, I just like to point out maybe part of the fun of this for fans is that none of this happens in a vacuum. If the Bills draft a defensive end in the first round, there's absolutely a reason to do that. But it will highlight a couple of things, whether fair or not. It would make a lot of fans, I think, react like McDermott runs the draft. Another defensive end for you. And he gets plenty of criticism for you know his coaching style or whatever. McDermott's got his detractors. So if they go defensive end, I feel like it would put an eye on McDermott. It would also highlight how much they've spent on that position and are still spending on it, whether that's money, draft capital. They keep pouring money and and investments into that spot. Another first-round pick, I feel like, you know, the, the Bills' job isn't to avoid criticism, but a defensive end pick, even if it's a good one and makes sense, would draw, I think, a lot of attention for the GM. 100%. And the, the interesting part about the defense and how Sean McDermott operates it anyway is he leans on guys that aren't like high-end draft guys i mean look at the Kyrie elam situation i mean to for him to lose out on that job to a six-round draft pick a gritty really wants it you know undervalued uh underappreciated kind of guy like i feel like sean mcdermott really leans into those that style of player and now i think it's a little bit different on the defensive line because like you need horses like you need legit Guys, I think it's why at Oliver they prioritized that position when they did back in 19 and drafted him. But you you got to hit on it. You can't have another Boogie Basham, um, even Greg Rousseau, for as, as high on him as I still am. And I think that there's untapped potential as a pass rusher still still there. Um, you know, he hasn't been the, the sack producer or the pressure producer that I think people – want from a first-round draft pick. So do you want to run that back again? And also, there's this wide receiver deal that's been building up that you've been alluding to on social media, and I'm sure on the show here over the last couple of weeks. It's like you look at the Bills' draft record under Brandon Bean, and they have avoided first three rounds at wide receiver like the plague. And I, and I wonder if that's just it's never worked out. It's they're not, a, they're not confident in their evaluation of the position because it seems to be like such a crap I mean, go back to 2022. Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, 
Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, and uh, Traylon Burks. That's six wide receivers in the first six picks. Only three of those hit. So you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit on your evaluators that you are going to find the guy that hits. And I don't know if six go in this draft. Um, You know, I like Troy Franklin from Oregon. The more I watch him, the more I like it. Um, He could be gone at the Bills pick. He could last in the early in the second round. And then you could be in another interesting situation where maybe you don't get aggressive and trade up, but maybe you don't have to take the defensive player. Maybe you trade back a little bit, which is what I advocated for in 2022 to go and get George Pickens, who went at 52 to the Steelers. Could you imagine what this roster looks like right now with Pickens and Diggs? Or maybe what it's looked like the last couple of years for yeah. those two guys. Matt Perino of Syracuse.com and co-host of the Shout Podcast with Ryan Talbot. Matt, thanks for the time as usual, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon as we uh, track this fascinating and very important offseason for the Bills. Great to talk to you guys. Take care. Matt Perino. He did that roundtable with Sal and John Scott and Joe B. Uh, if you want to check that out, Matt was tweeting about it. That's how I found it. Found it there. 803-0550. Okay. I want to follow up on that conversation when we get back. I also have a very, very interesting note from Toronto last night. So tonight, Sam Reinhart returns mm-hmm. with the Panthers. Former player comes back. He has before, but he like, has before. He has before. Yeah. And the Sabers did not do what the Toronto Raptors did last night for Pascal Siakam. Very important player on their championship team. Yeah. They did a thing involving fans. I've never seen anywhere before. Tell you what that is, and you can tell me if the Sabres should do it for Reinhardt tonight. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I hate it for what it means for Bills fans because you're going into this offseason like looking at all of these exciting wide receivers like Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, and you're like, all right, what's it going to take? Harrison's probably a little bit of a pipe dream. It will cost a little bit too much to get up into the top five. But, you know, we've seen in years past where wide receivers have kind of hung around a little bit longer sometimes than you might think, depending on what teams need, what teams need to add. A lot of these bad teams have been adding wide receivers over the last couple of years. Matt Perino, Syracuse.com, co-host of the Shout Podcast, last segment talking about the Bills draft. And on this, we've got something at Twitter. You can vote in our Twitter poll, which is, which of these two options do you like more? The only thing I might have disagreed a little bit with Matt on was when he said the 2022 class was only three out of six. How do you think of that class right now? That's I, that's London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, and, and uh, Traylon Burks. I'm going to give it four and a half out of six. 
Dotson's good. Uh, that's where he's in an offense that he's not exactly featured. Yeah, and then Williams. And then, I feel like we just don't know yet. Yeah, when he's touched the ball, he's been very good. He just doesn't touch the ball much. But London, yeah. Wilson, Alave are all great. All Burke, up. Burks is probably not going to work. No, which that was the one you could have seen coming, right? Because didn't he have like really bad separation? Was, separation. The story in on Burks was big guy doesn't separate. That's that's yeah. not unusual. Is that Quentin Johnston? Is yeah. that Keon Coleman? They all. I feel like I'm hearing the same thing about yeah. Keon Coleman that we heard about those two. A little bit. We'll see. Yeah. So at, the, at Twitter, you can vote. What do you like better? Using a second rounder to trade up to go from 28 to maybe 17, mm-hmm. or holding steady, go defense in the first round and receiver in the second round. Are there other options? Yes, folks. <laughs> More than just these two. I kind of want to get a pulse on how people would feel about trading your second to move up. And right now, 54% would trade the second to move up into like the 17 neighborhood. You know it's a good poll when you got 54 or 46. Yeah, not bad. two sides. We'll do a lot of different wide receiver ideas throughout this. One of them is, you know, what's the value if they traded there first? How high could they get? And uh, let's right. just, just very roughly, the Bills' first-round pick, let's say it's about the same, 28th. If you're trading with the Bills and the Bills say, we'll give you next year's first, you're counting on that being a la- the, one of the last six picks of the first round. Yeah. Last eight picks at at worst. Yep. That could get you to about seven or eight. The Bills could move to seventh. Would you trade a first rounder next year to pick seventh? If you do that, you could get yeah. probably a Dunze, maybe Malik Neighbors. You could get up there. Now that's that's a conversation for another day because yeah. this is one where you know, we do our weekly chats with Joe Marino from the Lockdown Bills and Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast. This is where, Joe, I need someone to come in and tell me that it's important to eat your vegetables. Because I would be like, yeah, I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun, but I know I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to get a defensive lineman mm-hmm. and a receiver instead of trading next year's first for the receiver that I like the most. You're right to bring up with Matt. Like The, po- the point about the defensive line is it- it's tough because... They don't have anybody under contract, and they only have a couple of difference makers you can count on for next year. If they do that, if they sit there and do B, which is draft defensive line in the first round, and they'll they'll get their receiver in round two, it is going to highlight. And this might not this might not say anything about the pick itself. It will highlight their missteps. Yes, that they have been desperate, obsessed with making that unit a top unit in the league. And it'll be a reminder of, you went into this draft with two guys. How much money, how many picks have you invested at that position? Defensive end. And with defensive end, I mean, really defensive line in general, if you yeah. want to just add at Oliver into that mix. But I would even you just got f- a four-man unit, and there's two guys you, you, you have going into next year right now. I would just focus on defensive end over defensive line, and, okay. here, and here's why. <laughs> here's the other part of it. We've, we've done this a million times. How many snaps does your defensive end play? Well, with the Bills, it's not as much. It's like what fifty, sixty percent. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a, a, a half. It's starting another job. first round pick for a half a starting job. How many snaps will your wide receiver play? If he replaces Gabe Davis, the answer is ninety. Yeah, he's on the field. Ninety-five. Yeah. Well, so, if, you, if we make it just end, it's really only one guy. It's Rousseau. Vaughn is not. You can't count on him for next year. He's going to be on the roster, and maybe he's more productive than what he was this year. But it's that in Kingsley Jonathan. That's an important position that they've invested a ton in. And at this moment, there is one guy you know is ready to play for you next yeah. year. And it's one of the reasons that 
we're constantly here the, the wide receiver train. Maybe it's your first year on the train. It's been running for three years plus, and every time we get to this point, the Bills are just like, yeah, not now. Right? No, we can't right now. Think of this guy like a wide receiver. They've said that twice. <laughs> Cook and Kincaid, just think of him like well, a receiver. If you count Naheem Hines, it's three times. I know it's not the draft, yeah. but... No, we're not thinking of anybody like we're seeing. Right. So, I just think that, again, like, not in a vacuum, and I mentioned this with Matt last segment, if they take a defensive end, you're going to get people to call and be mad at not being, but McDermott. And fair or not, the reaction, I think, would be that McDermott runs the show and he's never going to not get his defensive play. Hey, you got your tight end and your guard last year. I'm going to get my defensive line help that I need so bad. Will it be worse if they do bring back Epinesa? And still go defensive end, but yeah, because he's he's two two years five point nine is what Spotrac said. Matt broke it down like maybe he goes around and the the for him he's got some sack numbers the last two years thirteen sacks in the last two years his win rate is not it doesn't match like it's fine it's not but it's not it's not that good like it's well below like where Rousseau and Leonard Floyd were and where Vaughn was like the year before like it's not at. $10 million defensive end, even if he's 25 years old, there's more here. The underlying numbers with Epinesa look like, no, this is about what he is at best. So if he goes around the market and doesn't find anything, they bring him back because it's not that expensive. Are we still, are people still going to answer B? They're still going to be okay with it? I mean, defensive line might be the answer then. But still, like, you're, you're talking more rotation and more investments there. Not to say that it's wrong, but they, they, just, they just poured themselves into that position. Because they'll... So I'm more confident just because of the sheer volume that they need. They'll make signings on the defensive line and a defensive end before the draft. They might not at receiver. Well, they probably will, right? They'll do something with a Sherfield type of replacement guy, right? But line, they'll sign guys. Even if it's one year, small money, there will be bodies that we're talking about in one month, which a month from yesterday, is the start of free agency. And that might change the conversation around defensive end in the first round, especially if it's a guy like Leonard Floyd coming back here. Whereas receiver, I mean, they could do something. They could go sign Kendrick Bourne, but I'm not as sure about that. that that Because they, they will do it at line. They, it's because they need too many people. 803-0550. This story of Pascal Siakam in Toronto, which is an amazing story on his return and what the Raptors did in a moment. But first, Mark and Tonawanda. Hey, Mark, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, I just think that um, this is still the 13-7 Gabe Davis performance effect that we're suffering from. I think the Bills really put all their eggs in that basket. He had a great game. And I think to this day, we still don't have that sure number two receiver to Diggs. And Diggs is kind of moving into that number two role. But I really hope that this draft, that we just put to bed this notion that we are going to, the best way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs or the Bengals with a healthy burrow is shoring up the defense. The, the 49ers have one of the best defenses on paper this year. They, they went and got guys. I mean, Nick Bolts was way better than Von Miller. And they still, I mean, it was about scoring at the end of the day. They couldn't put points on the board. Um, you know, punts kill. But I'm all for trading up for a receiver, um, or going to get one. Uh, maybe somebody to keep in mind, similar to a, maybe a Diggs trade, is Terry McLaurin. I think that'd be sweet. Um, but I'm going to hang up and I'll see what you guys got to say. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mark. Well, they're not doing that at the end about Diggs. It is... And I, McLaurin's going to be huge money. They, they, yeah. 
Yeah, they can't he, do that. They could have had McLaurin a couple years ago. Yeah, I feel Terry t- McLaurin. Here, this is more to the point. Ter- Terry McLaurin, mm-hmm. fourth round or sorry, third s- round pick, third round pick, third round pick, third round pick that year that like Metcalf and AJ Brown all went in the second round. Yeah, I think third round pick. This is it's just always amazing to look at these rookie deals and how much they are worth. Yeah, like his cap hit until he signed that extension was just like less than a million dollars. Yeah. Third round pick just comes in, contributes, is good right away. His next contract, he gets a twenty-eight million dollars signing bonus. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that you get a guy for that's that good for nothing. Yeah, you might also, by the way, think that uh, <laughs> McLaurin just to, to play the hypothetical there. McLaurin is like this young version of Diggs. He's one year younger than Diggs. He's going into his age twenty-nine season. McLaurin. He was old when they drafted him. So, but beside the point. The the original thought of like I, I still feel pretty grounded in that same place of I want to outscore the Chiefs and the Bengals. I only want to go so far with trying to stop them, knowing we just watched a season where the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because their defense smothered four of the top six offenses in football. Well, they I did. know that they did that. They they did that, but did they really smother the Bills or did the Bills? I'll. The other games maybe lead you to believe that's what happened, right? Like the, the Bills, Bills just there wasn't much they could do against that defense, and the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Niners all couldn't do what they normally do. Well, all the other ones that the Chiefs ran up against, they ran up, they ran up against the Dolphins. What's their limitation on offense? Like off schedule, Tua, Tua, yeah, Tua. The, the right. Niners. What's their limitation on offense? Brock Purdy. The who else did they beat? Well, the, the Ravens. The Ravens. What's their limitation on offense? Uh, well, that day it was they decided not to run the football. But what? You want? I'm not saying Lamar. Am I? He didn't have a great game. Their offense punted a lot. They had a fumble. A little tougher for him when he had 50 dropbacks and they just knew true. what was coming that's every true. single they play. They fumbled into the end zone. Yeah. What, that one was maybe more okay. about breaks. Okay, sure. What was the Bills' limiting factor on the offense? Receiver. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. If Josh Allen had had Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel... What happens? They beat the Chiefs. Yeah. They, they beat the Chiefs. Period. I think they win the Super Bowl. They they did that to some great receivers, though, other than just like the Bills did, guy. Like, did they? Ayuk and Debo didn't Go do much, watch right? watch Ayuk on the film. Ayuk's open the whole, uh, not the whole day. Ayuk's yeah. open for a touchdown on well, one of those plays for Chris Jones. Saw that one, for sure. He missed Ayuk a bunch of times. Yeah. They got Chris Jones through. They they got to Purdy. What does Josh Allen do? That That's the point here, is that... As much as the Chiefs got pressure, Josh Allen is the cheat code. The Bills have, you know, the whatever you want to say, the second version of Mahomes. Yeah. How do you beat the Chiefs? Nobody scored on the Chiefs. The Bills could have if their receivers could catch. I mean, if Diggs catches that one ball, maybe the game's different, maybe not. If Sherfield catches his two, yeah. maybe the game's different. If they have someone to get the Bills had zero explosive plays in that game. Zero. Mm-hmm. And still put up the most points that anybody did against the Chiefs. So right. there's a lot of different ways you could say you want to do it. The way to do it is to lean into your offense for this team. That's the best they've ever been. All right, on to Pascal Siakam because it's just a very quick note, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. So last night, Siakam returned to Toronto. He, like, he won the championship with them He got traded- as like an important player, too. Yes, and he got traded a month ago, right? Yeah. About a month ago. Yep. So, Pascal Siakam, he won a championship with Toronto, with the Raptors. He got traded to the Pacers. Last night, he returns. Okay. How did they pay tribute to him? Tribute videos, normal. Yep. Have you ever heard of this before? 
in section 119, if you sat in section 119 of that game last night, there was a sign on your seat in Toronto okay. that said, let's give Pascal Siakam a warm Raptors welcome. We want you to get involved in a special pregame tribute by wearing his jersey proudly during the National Anthem for him to see from the court. Please come pick up your Pascal jersey by the main sign at Gate L outside section 119. Every fan in the section got a jersey and got his jersey. And someone to to keep? To keep. To keep. To keep. He doesn't play for him anymore. Instead of, hey, your store, your team store has team jerseys that are five years old for $170. That nobody's gonna nobody's gonna buy. Right. They're just like, you know what? Let's just give them to the people sitting in the section for that night. That is super cool. Yep. Because right, those jerseys might end up just like where? In a warehouse or like a Super clearance section in two years, and one of the stories goes that Siakam said when he was a like a new player and relatively new to Toronto, he would look around the stadium during the national anthem to see how many Siakam jerseys there were. Yeah, there was one, and then there were two, and as he became a better player, he saw more and more Siakam jerseys. So in his tribute return, full section wearing his jersey. I'm looking at the picture now of it, and it's like the different versions of the jersey. Like there's the the there's the, they have the home one they have the gold one they used to wear the black one that is super cool yep wow that's an awesome job so I don't know about this Sabers store but if there's any Reinhardt jerseys still in the arena yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not his first time back of course Reinhardt and the and the Pan- so. and the Panthers are in town tonight as he goes to score his fortieth tonight yeah he also didn't win the championship here no he didn't a, no they didn't they didn't really... they, they didn't yeah almost but still really. Super cool move from the Raptors. That though. is that is awesome. Yeah. Jeremy and Joe, 803-0550-1888-550-2550 to join us. Coming up at 830, we're going to talk with Joe Goodbury, who uh, covers the Bengals, talk about T. Higgins because the speculation is looks like T. Higgins will get the franchise tag. That and uh, much more. Your phone calls, whatever you like. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer. L. King, Christina Perry, at the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies, presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Be caller five right now to win a pair of tickets to see Dirks Bentley, Darien Lake, July 20th. Tickets courtesy of Live Nation. Looks like you could have a concert outside right now. It's nice and sunny and clear. It's cold still, though. I think. All right. 30s. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. I watched the 1976 Daytona 500 finish yesterday. What? Yeah, that's right. Why? I'm why? just as surprised as you. How? Can why? I get? Can I? All right. So here's why. Here's how. Here's why. I urge you to do it. To watch the 1976 yes. Daytona finish. Yes, the 1976 Daytona 500 finish. Why? Yeah. Why? So you know, as part of the prep for what we do, I was looking like, what happened this day in history? What? what February 15th. Uh-huh. And among other things, I mentioned earlier, it's the anniversary of Bill Belichick getting fired by the Browns. And whether it's birthdays, you never know what you're going to come across that's going to be interesting to talk about. 
So one of the things that came up was the 1976 Daytona 500 finish, which was won by David Pearson. Okay. And I just read the blurb, and it was that Pearson bumped Richard Petty very close to the finish line. They spun out into the grass, and then it became this, and Joe, I'm not, I'm going to be honest. Oh, what? 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 what are, you, are we leading to a reserve like a, a review, a rules official no. uh, outcome here? No, no. But the way There's that a young Gene Steratore <laughs> on the stick mic <laughs> down right. on, to tell us what happened. The way that it was described, it sounded to me a little bit like uh, when Lightning McQueen gets bumped by Chick Hicks and spins out in the grass. Uh huh. It sounded like the plot of Cars a little bit, and I thought, I got to see this finish. This sounds like Lightning McQueen and Chick Hicks. Yeah, and it wasn't exactly that, but what happens is they're coming down the 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 final corner around the final, and it's just those two that are going to win it. Yeah, and he bumps, and they both spin out, and Richard Petty is stuck in the grass. Yeah, and can't get out fast enough, and Pearson, who has also spun out, gets back on the track and crosses the finish line. If it happened today, it would be the most dramatic finish ever. Yeah. It feels like because here you are. You're in a race car driving however, you know, 100 and whatever, and you spin out and you can see the finish line. And both of you are restarting from zero yeah. to go the final 200 yards. Right. Like you're already, this is past the final turn? Yeah, it's right at the finish line pretty much. 1976 Daytona 500. Is it possible, by the way, it's close enough that that's where cars got the, that's the what thing I, from? That's what I mean. The whole thing made me think about cars, which in our house, cars is a big thing. Yeah. We're watching a lot of cars. Yeah. Got a lot of, we got all the action figures. We got everybody. But it, it was just wild to, to watch it. The other thing about it that's wild is to watch the quality of the television broadcast. I urge you to do that as well. <laughs> I've got it up right now, and this looks like it could be from 1945. When, when they go across Holy the far cow. side of the track, they might as well be racing on the moon. You can barely <laughs> see these cars in orbit around this, you know, this track. Yeah. So there you go. My life is constantly cars these days. Yeah. Enough to where you're watching the 76 Daytona 500. You know. I want to see uh, Strip Weathers, Chick Hicks. Yeah. Everybody. They should have like a throwback race where they're using these cars. I would watch that. They're pretty cool cars. Like uh, th- an anniversary, whenever there's an anniversary of the Daytona 500, hey, we're going to use the cars that we used in the 76 Daytona 500. Yeah. That looks ancient. But look how close they are to the finish. He spins out, goes into the grass, and like final wow. turn. It's just like. He's spinning. He's spinning. He's in the grass. That's petty. That's Four, yeah, that's, 43? that's Richard Petty, the SDP 43 car. And he can't get and out of the, the grass. the finish line is like right here. <laughs> and he can't get to it. You're right. That would be... Man, He'd be if that, screaming. If that happened now... Be screaming in your... Anyway, yeah. There you go. Classic I, sports. You bet Petty money line. You, he's right there. Speaking of things that you maybe... I'm trying to think. Like, Have you ever watched ESPN Classic? Yes. Okay. Because it's not... It doesn't exist anymore, no, right? No. Or if it does, it's not as... Readily available. Oh no! But before there up. were before there were thirteen ESPN channels and all the streaming options, ESPN Classic was like, oh, let's see what's on, and you you'd find yourself to something like that, like the nineteen seventy six Daytona five hundred. I mean, I was into boxing even growing up, and there wasn't really YouTube as much back then. So, like, if if I was ever watching like old Muhammad Ali fights, it was on ESPN Classic. Yeah. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Jeremy and Joe with you uh, here on a Thursday. 
as we gear up for uh, you know an off season, which uh, combine starts in a couple weeks, free agency less than a month towards that. We've got a wide receiver idea of the day to get to, and we'll check in with Cincinnati, uh, Joe Goodbury on the Bengals, and their plans with T. Higgins coming up bottom of the hour as well. You can join us, 803-0550 on WGR. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.